All right, how many of you know that we are, uh, we are two months from a couple of really exciting things? On the one hand, we're two months from what we're, gonna, what we're calling like a grand opening of this new space. Uh, we are so excited that you guys are here. We are also excited to invite our entire community. And so we, you will be hearing more about how we are gonna engage Huntington Beach, Fountain Valley, the local areas, and invite our neighbors to be a part of what we experience and invite them in. And so we are gonna do kind of a, a new location, grand opening type deal on uh, September 9th. So that's two months away, we are excited about that. We are also two months away from the college football season. And I am excited about that. Now, even if you are uh, you know, a female and you hate football and you kind of resent that your husband, boyfriend, brother, dad watched too much of it on Saturdays or Sundays growing up, you still understand the Heisman Trophy, right? I mean, you still understand like the, the most coveted prize trophy in college athletics. It's, it's the famous trophy, it's, I don't know, bronzed, and it's the guy holding the football here with one knee up and a hand out like this. Look familiar? You've seen guys do that in hopes, and kind of like saying, I will be the future Heisman, and they kind of do this little dance thing. Uh, the, the Heisman trophy for me, when I look at that and I see myself, not because I'm a great football player, I never played football, uh, but because I know what it is to be this guy. To have one arm extended, keeping myself safe in relationships. But really, on the inside, this hand here is like, I, I, I want your love. I, I want community. I want relationship. I want connection. I really do. It's in me. It's at my core. But this hand's out here like, but I'm going to keep you at arm's length because I don't know if I can trust you. Because I don't know if we're the same. Because I don't know what you think about me yet because I heard some stuff about you, because we're different in some, different, in some ways, because maybe I have categories in my mind about different kinds of people, and so, and so I have one arm extended, keeping some of you, some of us, you know what I'm saying, at a safe distance, and at the same time I'm like, ah, oh, but I really wanna be loved, I really want to, to experience meaningful community and relationship, and I think we do that, don't we? Can you relate to that at all? There's something in us deep in our person, in our beings, that we are wired for relationship. We need connection with one another. That is how we are designed. And we have this self-protection, self-preservation mode that we just need to be real with and be aware of. And we're not going to go psychoanalyzing ourselves about why. We just need to understand that it's there. And when it's there with each other, it's also there with our creator. And we're going to look a little bit at how that plays out. When we talk about this idea of community, we often, in church places, in circles like this, we, you, you hear one chapter from the Bible quite a bit, or a couple of verses from Acts chapter 2. This is kind of the gold standard of community. You want to read it with me? It's in your outline and probably on the screen. It says, Acts 2, 44 to 45, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Circle that word, common. There's a, there's a hidden secret in this passage that we're going to tap into. And it's this idea of common. Did you know that community and common come from the same word? That the beginnings of this community that we 
speak of that we in, inwardly just so long for, it comes from this idea of just realizing that we're all the same, that we're all common, that we're all connected. I know we read that verse and some of you are like, don't, don't go to this crazy sell all my stuff mode. I am not coming back to these purple chairs if you start talking about selling my stuff. I like you, but not that much. I, am, I, am, I don't need to be a part of that radical kind of thing, right? And that's not what we're talking about. There's something more important. There's something up here that led those guys in that early church, in those, those first believers, to do that radical thing, but, but, but leave that alone. We're talking about something else. We're talking about this reality that we all have in common, that we're all, in fact, the same. But even still, there's a bigger story. So throughout the history of time, and even before the beginning, community existed. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. If you try to think about the Trinity for very long, your brain will hurt. Uh, my, mine does. You, you, we can't quite fathom the fact that God himself is in community with himself. It sounds like a bad Austin Powers line, right? But God himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are one and are distinct. And so since even before the beginning, there was community. So when God says, I'm going to make man in our, in, in our image, he says, let us, in Genesis 1, let us make man in our own image. Our, because we are community. We are together. And since he made us in his image, he made us wired in need of one another. That we are designed to be connected that's how the story started. That's how the story continues. That's how we are designed. That is our life. And so he, he later said, hey, I want to create a people. He designed Adam, and he said, it's not good for man to be alone, so he made Eve. And then later he created a people that he wanted to himself. That's where Israel came from. Father Abraham had many sons. And so he designs this whole people, this, this community that's birthed out of Abraham so that they can be the Israelite people so that now he has a family. Again, community, in context, doing life together for him because he wanted a family and for the world to reflect his nature, this, this connected, loving God. But the Israelites in Israel did what we do, this, and they tried to separate themselves in any way that they could, right? Think about what you know about Israel. Have you heard of the word Gentile? So you have, you have the Jews and the Gentiles. Do you know what the Gentiles were? Everybody else. The Jews made sure that it was them and everybody else. It was, it was us and it was them. It was we, religious people, family of God, and you, you know, heathens out there that, that do your own thing. We are the chosen people. And they did what we have a tendency to do, and that is to categorize, to label, to separate, to disconnect, to do this thing. And that has been our human tendency. And so this Jesus guy showed up on the scene, and Jesus says, okay, 
we designed this differently. Remember us, let us, let us make man in our own image. We designed this to work a little bit differently than it's working. I am going to come in, and I am going to pay, and I'm going to redeem, and I'm going to break down all the barriers. And let's, let's, take, a, let's take a little glimpse at, uh, at what this says in Ephesians 2. Can we, Lori, Lori is our tremendous volunteer in the back. Let's hear it for Lori. She is faithful. You may hear me periodically refer to Lori on the screens or Jonathan. You can also call him Jonathan. He responds to either. Uh, he runs all sound and equipment. We are grateful for you guys doing your thing and setting up so quickly in this new space. You guys are awesome. So Lori has pulled up. Lori, yeah, we'll clap again later and have a sandwich with him after, okay? Uh, Ephesians 2, and it says, I'm going to read it with you. It says, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, remember Gentiles, Jews, Gentiles over here, Jews, and everybody else, that would have been us because, I mean, some of you might have been born Jewish, and congratulations, you can go either way, but uh, the rest of us are Gentiles. So Gentiles by birth, remember that at that time you were separated from Christ because you were excluded from citizenship in Israel, excluded by God's chosen people, the ones he was trying to create a family out of, but they did this like we do this, and they were excluded from citizenship in Israel and were foreigners to the covenants of the promises without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, because Jesus Christ came to this earth, died on the cross, and made this made this way and changed everything throughout all history. Now, because of him, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Next slide. For he himself is our peace. Peace, reconciliation, shalom, making all things whole again. He is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Pause there for a second. He destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus is in the business of breaking down walls and barriers. He is in the business of blowing up our categories, our descriptors, our separateness, our factions, our political parties that we think are so important. He's in the business of breaking down walls and barriers. Our human tendency is to do the Heisman, to find different categories, to figure out where we fit, to judge people by the things that they've done or by the way they grew up, by the things that they wear, and our God is in the business of destroying all of that stuff and saying, it doesn't matter. This is a one-for-all thing. And he makes peace out of different groups, destroying the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. His purpose, get this, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. Stop there for a second. We'll stop there for a second. Um, one new humanity. Oftentimes when you think about community, you think about parties and pizza and popcorn and some other peas that I can't think of, right? But you think about what can we, what can we do to cultivate this thing and, we'll make, 
And not all that is good, and we're doing that today. We bought you sandwiches, and we are going to have them, and they are going to be delicious whether you like it or not. They will be delicious. And we will have waters, and we will hang out, and it will be great, and we do that. But that is a byproduct of the fact that we are buying into this conviction that there is a new humanity, that we are not divided anymore, that there is not Jew and Gentile, there is not poor and rich, there is not, notice how I did that, I did poor up here and rich down here. I think that that's strangely prophetic. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, there is not these differences in, you know, divorced and non-divorced, sinners, saint. there are not those differences that there is one humanity in the person of Jesus Christ. And that was what he came to do. And that is what makes us community. That is what we have in common. That we do not, we are people who do not care about descriptions and things that separate us and categories and judgments. We are not operating the way the rest of the world operates with their rankings and their systems. But we are saying we are a people of this new humanity. And for us, this is community. And so you can get into a rooted group through Mariner's Church with people who are nothing like you. I have friends from my last rooted group here this morning. And we had, they know, I mean, we had the entire spectrum in our group of 20 people. I mean, extremely poor to extremely wealthy. Extremely likable to extremely difficult to get along with. Extremely talkative to pulling teeth trying to extract words from a person, right? And, and we can be together in the context of that kind of community because we are one new humanity. And because Jesus says, I don't care about any kind of lines and boundaries that you draw. None of that matters to me. In fact, I want to actively destroy it in the context of your community, of our community. Kevin said that I just got back from a little volleyball tournament. It was, um, it was fun. Uh, except it was in Phoenix, Arizona, which is 110 degrees. Apparently, the people who put on the tournament got a really good deal uh, <laughs> because we went to Phoenix and we're in the convention center there playing volleyball and, and driving to and fro. It was, it was crazy. But uh, an interesting thing happened while we were there. We, had, we have families that are across the board, you know, similar to our crowd here. You've got some that are, they're scraping everything that they can get to put their daughter in this club volleyball program in hopes that maybe she can get a college scholarship one day. And then you've got other families who live on Skyline and Laguna Beach and never think about money. And there was one particular family who, uh, they, were, they were kind of a, made themselves known in this, in this team, in this community as uh, being believers. And they would periodically email all the parents. You know how you got like the team mom. Uh, you also have like the other mom that just sends out some random stuff. <laughs> and you're like, rein that in. I, we don't want to know. But she would send out like, you know, this, uh, this Christian band is in town. And, uh, you know, my daughter's going. Do you guys want to go? And most of them are like, no, we don't want to go to that thing. Uh, and so the interesting thing happened at the end of the season was that the Christian mom from the strong, you know, faith, family of faith. She was on this trip, and she was going to have her daughter that's just a couple years older, still a teenager, uh, with her. And it wasn't going to be able, they weren't going to be able to hide it in this context that her daughter's pregnant. And that she's 19, and she was so embarrassed, this mom was. And so she sent out an email 
to all the parents saying, hey, I'm looking forward to this time together. I've got some snacks. And oh, and by the way, Sarah's pregnant. And um, just want to let you know that so it's not awkward. And please be praying for our family. You should have seen these families, some of them who know Jesus, some of them who don't, embrace this girl. Would she have done it this way again? No. No. It wasn't the, it wasn't the optimum path. But she was embraced. And she was loved. And this family who had, who, who had maybe, maybe put out a little bit too kind of like religiousness in some emails, they received love. And we loved on them. And they, in turn, loved back more vulnerably and said, oh, we, actually, we don't have it all together, as you can see. We've got some stuff going on. And so I got to witness and have this, my own little mini church of volleyball parents and love on them through this, through this messy thing and that they could see, you know what, we're, we're all the same. And God was lifted up in that space. And I got to have a couple of really significant conversations with people about life and faith. And it was powerful because our God came to destroy things that separate us, to create a new humanity, to remind us that really we have everything in common. We're all the same. Under our clothes and under our stuff and the things that we've been able to experience, we're all the same. And he invites us to live a life that reflects that truth. And so I want to get back to the real simple basics just for a moment and what, how he told us that we should live. What he said matters. So we're going there. We're going to Matthew 22. Jesus walking the earth. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. Sadducees and Pharisees, both kind of religious sects in that time. One of them asked, one of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. He said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You've probably heard that passage before but you probably don't comprehend how revolutionary it was in that day because they were perfectly fine with having these different sections, these different categories, us versus them. Not only were they fine with it, if you didn't adhere to that, you were ousted, you were outcast. This is the way things were. This is how we did it. In fact, if a Jewish person married a Gentile person. They did a funeral for the Jewish person as if they were dead. You are dead to me. And so Jesus comes, and he starts talking about breaking down these categories, and he starts talking about loving any and everybody as yourself. When you start loving someone as yourself, there are no categories left. There are no lines to draw. I'm loving you like I love me. There's, no, there's, there's nothing else to do. 
And so these words were so revolutionary in his day. It was, it was this kind of stuff that he was carried away and crucified for because he said, I want no more lines drawn. I want us all in common. I am creating a new humanity. Community, then, is not just for us. It's obedience to our God. And it's for the world around us, the people around us. We are in action loving others as a reflection of who we are in Christ. This is, this is the great story. This is the simplicity of our lives. Love God, love others as ourselves. It's that simple. But we get it messed up. I got it messed up uh, when I, I, w- I worked at Saddleback Church a long time, not a long time ago, but a while ago. And I left to try to start my own organization. I had this vision of something I was going to do. I was going to create this network of groups, and it was going to be all over the place, and I was going to pump content through the system, and it was going to be awesome. And I had started three groups. I had one group. We launched two more. And so I kind of oversaw this little fledgling you know, network that was starting out. And then when I launched out of Saddleback and I was um, starting this nonprofit thing, uh, a weird thing started to happen. Uh, my, my group, <laughs> my group started to fall apart. My group stopped meeting. <laughs> my best friends in the world uh, weren't there anymore. And I was focused on the next groups, and then their groups needed to plant, you know, start new groups, right, obviously, if this is going to go and grow. And so I'm thinking about those, and, and these here, uh, I lost them. And, and they were my closest friends. And it was because I didn't get it. It was because I got obsessed with the next thing. My life, my plan, this is a little bit different than the category piece. This is another way that we can screw this up, is that I missed out on this relationship, on this connection, on this community, because I was looking for the next thing. I was blazing ahead on the next path, and the people closest to me suffered, and then ultimately I suffered. Out of community is when I kind of fell into my personal quarter-life crisis, as I call it. Most of you have heard me talk about it. And so it's, it's that. We, we draw lines, and we separate ourselves in different ways, or we blitz ahead, and we forget the simple, most fundamental aspects of our life. Love the people around us. In John 13, Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Not by our awesome worship band, not by your cool T-shirts. By the way, I'm going to get you a cooler T-shirt soon, but you got to keep coming. We're going to get them on Sundays. Not by the cool t-shirts, though. By our love for one another. Not by how good you teach, how fancy the thing is. Not by how much you know about the Bible. Not even by how well-behaved your kids are. But they'll know, everyone will know, by our love for one another. I want to invite you today to a little bit 
more radical love. I want to invite you to embrace a new humanity. To say yes to more love. And this new humanity. Now here's, here's what I'm not, here's what I don't want you to do. I'm, I'm not trying to, and I don't think God is desiring that we fill our schedules more, but that we fill our lives more. That we engage more. And that we actively destroy and break down the things that divide us. And it starts in our minds, in our hearts, in our souls, of just saying, I am just like everybody else. I will embrace the person that I am different than. I, I, will, I will begin to notice when I extend my arm in self-protection and preservation, and I will let you come near. I will be more vulnerable. I know that I'm messed up. I know that I have a tendency to go ahead of myself and get out here and forget that I just need to be loving the people around me. I, I get that. And, and we'll say we will love this community and the people around us in a more radical way embracing this new humanity that God has invited us into, that he paid a very high price, that he welcomes us to this real and rich and full life. Again, let me say it. I don't think it's about a full schedule. I think it's about prioritizing and filling our life and making sure that we're connected in meaningful relationships. And so as we start out this next season of our journey together, I wanted to invite you, our team wanted to invite you to plug in. We want to make sure that you are aware of opportunities to plug in, to be a part of this family as we try to figure out how to do this life together. As we, when, when we go outside, you'll see we've got some things put on the walls. Those are just, those are areas that you can plug in and serve. If you don't feel connected yet, plug into one of these areas. Jump in. Help, help us out. We get here early every week and set this thing up. We have people who, who stay around a little while and take the things down. And we, we've, we've actually figured out a way to simplify that so much. We've got like, if you can't stay an hour, we've got like 10-minute little designations that you can do. You can be a cord wrapper. Did you know that? You can be a cord wrapper and connect with the team that does this and serve on a regular basis. Right? I mean, there's... I see you laughing. There's something for everybody here. I, you can do that. You can do that. We've got, we've got people that, are, that every week they welcome and they greet. They're first impressions people. They smile. They want to make sure that everyone who walks through the doors feels loved and connected. Right? These are, these are teams of people that have bonded together serving us. And there's several ways that you can do that. We also have life groups that meet during the week in this community. And we'd love to plug you into those if you want to, if you want to be connected. We've got the 4th of July thing. We're going, to, we're going to do concerts in the parks on Sunday nights. We're going to have all kinds of opportunities for you to plug in. Remember, though, here, what I, I mean what I'm saying. We're not just trying to fill your schedule. We're trying to fill your life. So say no to some stuff, but say yes to a couple things and go deep with it. And really, and really embrace people that maybe aren't anything like you but we're part of one new humanity in Christ. And then two other big challenges that I would just, I want to put on your radar that are coming. Uh, one of them in the fall, I'm going to invite all of you who have been through Rooted to play a role in leading a new Rooted group. Every season we have done Rooted, and we've averaged about two Rooted groups per session. They're only 10 weeks long. 
Um, this next season, we're going to try to do between five and ten reader groups. But it's only going to happen if some of you guys say, hey, yeah, I'm ready. I'll step up. I'll lead one. And you don't even have to lead one. If you don't feel like you're the leading type, we have other roles that you can play. Here are the ones I'm toying with, okay? Co-leader, safer, right? You just show up. You just kind of throw in some ideas here and there. Uh, how about host? If you want to host it somewhere because we don't have our own permanent space yet. Um, or how about chief inviter? If you're just kind of like a networker, uh, you are going to fill your own rooted group. Some of your rooted groups are going to meet in your business. Some are going to meet at Starbucks on Main Street. Some are going to meet out there. I mean, so far at Mariner's Church, we have almost 6,000 people have gone through rooted on the campuses. In this next season, we're going to have people going through rooted everywhere. Homes, coffee shops, places of work, places of business. And we're going to equip you to go and do that and to reach your neighbors, your work, your coaches and teachers and people in your space. And it's going to be awesome. So that's coming in September. Have that on your radar. Um, and then the other thing is, in the next six months, we have a goal of touching 10,000 people uh, in appropriate ways. Right? That is not, <laughs> as I said it, I said, well, We, we are going to, we are, in, in our greater region of this kind of central north Orange County, we are going to make contact, personal contact with 10,000 people with not a motive, agenda. We're not trying to get them to sign on a dotted line or write, kneel right there and pray to receive Christ or, or that they even have to come here. But we just want to have a genuine encounter, a genuine connection with them and, and then make an invite. Just, or, or even just get to know them and, and just say hi and bless them in some way. So whether it's, we might do things like uh, filling up oil for people, filling up gas, doing a gas buy down is one of the things that have been talked about. Fourth of July is our start. Uh, being out there uh, for the Fourth of July par parade is going to be awesome. There's going to be numerous other ways that you can plug in and be a part of that. And if you have ideas, we're open to them. But 10,000 people. I'm not going to do the math right now because I'm not that smart, but it probably means that each one of us is going to come in contact with more than a handful. Uh, and so it's going, to be, it's going to be a great way to be active and to show our community that we, we're serious about this, that, we're, that they are no different than us, that we're all the same. We just have met this Jesus that gives us hope and peace and invites us into a full and meaningful life. And that's what we're going to invite our community into. You with me? How are the purple seats? The purple seats all right? A little more comfy? All right, let's pray. God, we are grateful. We are grateful for this, for this new chance, for this new way that we don't have to be people who are outsiders or foreigners or disconnected. And then at the same time, we don't have to be people who are stuck in judgment and comparison and critique and cynicism. But right now, as we just invite your Holy Spirit to work, we invite you to make us people who see things differently, different than the world does, different than we used to, that we can break down the barriers and the walls and the dividing lines, and we can welcome everyone 
into fellowship with you and into fellowship with your church. God, help us to identify the space in us that is, that's still afraid, that still pushes away. Help us to trust. Help us to trust you. Help us to trust each other, knowing that we're all broken and flawed people, but we need each other, God, and we need you to make true and meaningful community work. Work among us today and as we go, and even as we sit here and sing together, unified for your sake, for your glory. In Jesus' name.